This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus' name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's Morning Bible Study. It's good to be with you this morning. We are studying through the book of Genesis chapter 30. And in that book, we are looking through and studying what I call the battle of the babies. And what that is, that's that's the battle between Jacob's wives, Leah and Rachel, and they're battling over babies. And we've already seen that that Leah took a strong lead, a 4-0 lead in the early part of the race. And then Rachel, she decided to give her husband a handmaid and she sent her handmaid in and she became a concubine of his or a second wife. And then she has two children and then Leah realizes, hey, I'm, they're catching back up on me. They're moving ahead of me. And so she says to her handmaid, I'm going to send you in. It's almost like they're sending in people for the whole purpose of sending in the bench players. It's The game is on. It's full throttle. And and she sends in her handmaid. Now we've got two more babies. And and when that happens, Rachel feels like she's she's back in it. But, but Leah now is up six. And it is this, it's a difficult battle that's going on. And it is the product of, dis, of dissension and division that was sown into that family a long time ago. And, and so now we get even where the children are older and the parents are still battling and still causing dissension. I'd like to challenge you this morning, some of you out there, if you have done something like this with your family in the past and you see the results of it in the future, you don't have to continue on in your life doing this. It can be changed, but you're the best change agent for it. You have to step in and begin to act differently, begin to pray differently, begin to seek differently, a different path for your family. Now, I'm not saying that there's not going to be continued consequences of what's going on in the past, but what I am saying is you have the power of God at work in your life, and you have the power of God available to you, and God is obviously moving in your heart or you wouldn't even be listening to this Bible study. And the truth is that God can do some great things for you. He can do some mighty things for you. He can do miraculous things for you and your family. And it's my opinion that you ought to do your best and make your best effort to alter the course of your family's history by inserting a little bit of faith and a little bit of Holy Spirit into the situation and see what God can't do. Because I believe that God can change things and he can alter things and he can make things new and different and wonderful and you ought to you ought to believe that also and you ought to act upon that we're going to continue on today a little bit in this study and we're going to look at what they were doing and even one of the sons that were was born before 
is going to be a player in the in this part of the chapter. But I want to say to you that you can change the future. And the future, you can be God's life-giving, hope-giving, grace-filling agent in the world you live in. And that includes your family. And it sure enough ought to include your family. And you ought to expect those good things and look for those good things to happen in your life. It says here that it's not Reuben went in the days, this is verse 14, of the wheat harvest and found mandrakes in the field and brought them to his mother Leah. Now, Leah's son Reuben finds mandrakes in the field, and this word, this Hebrew word, this plant, is mentioned here twice in verse 14 verse 16, and it's mentioned once in the Song of Solomon in chapter 7, and it is what might be described as, and many, if you if you look it up and search it, they call them love apples. Apparently, according to the way they thought about things, it had an aphrodisiac dimension to it. It caused people to be more amorous in their seeking out of, of other people. That's the aphrodisiac and amorous. If you don't know what those words mean, look them up. They mean they mean to be more interested in romance. And they believed that. They also had some qualities, maybe even some hallucinogenic, easy for me to say, hallucinogenic qualities. Or they may have also been a root that could be used to, to ease pain, joint pain, and things like that. And it was a very valuable, it was a very valuable resource. But in the battle of the babies, it is a game changer. It's a winning formula. It's something that's very important. And all sides want some love apples or some mandrakes. And I'm making a little bit of fun today, but when you're trying to have as many male heirs as you can so that you can rise to the top of the battle of the babies, it's important that you got some mandrakes. Everybody needs some. Didn't Who knew? I didn't know. He says, then Rachel said to Leah, please give me some of your son's mandrakes. Why? Why? If you actually look them up, they look like, ogres they there's it's a root and it looks like an a, an a, it's really funny looking just google it just go google it it's hilarious looking fruit and she says give me some of your son's mandrakes but now listen we can't just be giving these up we can't take care of each other and have any relationship with each other because we got this mighty battle going on and he says but she said to her it's no small matter that you've taken away my husband would you take away my son's mandrakes also? <laughs> what she's saying is, I don't get to sleep with my husband because of you, and it's not a small matter to me. And now you're going to try to take my mandrakes also? How many jokes could I tell? They're too numerous to count and probably would take up most of this Bible study, so let's just move on. For those of you who don't know, on Facebook or in the in the podcast to come, I'm generally a person who loves to have fun and laugh and the things that go on in the world, I can tell my God is a humorous, is he's a humorous God because the things that go on in the world I live in, the courtrooms that I'm in almost every day and the places that I'm at are just too funny to pass by. And I love a little laughter. But she says, it's no small matter you've taken my husband and now you want to take my son's mandrakes. Now that's funny. I don't care who you are. That's funny. She says, and Rachel said, therefore, he will lie with you tonight for your son's mandrake. She says, I, I want some of them mandrakes, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send him in there to you. And he's going to lie with you tonight. 
And when Jacob came out of the field in the evening, Leah went out to meet him. See, Jacob is letting, he is allowing this to continue on because his wives are are controlling him in every possible way. That's one of the things that really needs to happen. Look, you don't have to be a tyrant to be a leader in your family, men. You don't have to be a dictator to be a leader in your family. First of all, you got to know the people in your family. So that means you have to have an investment, an emotional investment in them, which means you've spent some time getting to know them, understanding who they are, understanding how they feel. The Bible says train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. What that means is that when you're raising your children up, you need to figure out who they are. You need to figure out who they're gifted, what their giftings are. You need to figure out how their personality is bent. And then you need to push them toward the things that are God's things in their life, the things that God's opening the door for, and pushing them toward the things that make them fulfilled, who they are. And the only way to do any of that process is you got to know your children. And that means you got to invest in your children. The same is true of your wife. The same is true of the rest of your family members. You cannot lead that which you do not know. And that is a fundamental principle of leadership. And it's just a fundamental principle of life, okay? God, the re- way he leads us is he knows us intimately. And Jacob is letting one wife tell him to go in with the other wife. Now, I'm not saying you ought to have all these wives, but that being said, if you're going to be a leader and, you, and you're obviously going to allow, you're going to marry two women, you've worked that deal out to do that, and then you allow them to give you their maids as concubines or second wives, then that's your fault. If you're not, if you don't have enough of a relationship with them to understand that there's a reason why Leah is sending you in to, Ra- to Rachel is sending you in to Leah. There's a reason why she's doing that, and it probably ain't good. That's a southern phrase. That ain't good. It ain't good. He says when Jacob came out of the field in the evening, Leah went out to meet him and said, "You must come into me, for I have surely hired you." With my son's mandrakes. What is this? Mandrakes? Is that how you hire him? Like I said, too many jokes. Too much fun. I can't do that for Bible study. It's morning Bible study. Maybe afternoon Bible study, we could have a lot more fun with it. But not morning Bible study. We can't do that. Not going there. I'm going to be disciplined today. And he lay with her that night. And God listened to Leah. Rachel, in order to get the mandrakes, is going to go down 5-0. And she conceived and bore a fifth son all over the mandrakes. Who knew? I'm sorry, I've diverted into... It's just, it is replete with so many issues, family issues, struggles, issues between family members. Because no one steps up and does the God thing. And that is to love, to be full of grace, to be full of hope. Nobody's doing that. And there's just dissension and division everywhere. (sighs) Leah said, God has given me my wages because I've given my maid to my husband. She thinks because she gave her maid to him that now God's rewarding her for that. And you know what? That, I can see how she'd come to that conclusion because that's all she's known for maybe even two decades now. That's all she's known, and it's wrong. But how many times do we come to wrong conclusions? How many times do you hold firm to things that are absolutely not according to God's will, his way, or his word especially, 
and you continue on holding on to those things and they are highly destructive in your life. And that requires some self-evaluation. That requires some evaluation of your past and who you are and what's going on for you to ever change that stuff. And if you're not willing to evaluate yourself in, in, in that way, then I'm not sure exactly what you're going to do to be changed. You have to look at Leah. Leah thinks that God has, that God has rewarded her for this. And uh, she even names, and you, if you're Jacob, that's got to be, this has got to be a problem. She names her son. So she called his name Issachar, which means wages, which means she paid to sleep with him. I don't think I'd let my son be named that, would you? Too many jokes. Way too many jokes. <sighs> and then Leah conceived again and bore Jacob a sixth son. And Leah said, God has endowed me with good endowment, apparently. Now my husband will dwell with me because I've borne him six sons. She thinks that the bearing of children is what's going to make the relationship. And that is just not it. Love is what makes a relationship. Self-sacrifice is what makes a relationship. Giving grace and mercy and hope is what makes the relationship. And she names that son dwelling, saying that Jacob is now going to dwell with her. He's going to come to her at night, not to Rachel. That's not the case because Jacob hadn't fixed at all. He's not fixed. And afterwards, she bore a daughter and called her name Dinah. And I find it interesting. She's named after, her name is literally Judgment. And that, why would you name your daughter Judgment? I don't know. I named mine Rebecca and Caitlin. Rebecca Boo. Not judgment. Too many jokes. It's Wednesday. It's too many jokes. Way too many jokes. Then God remembered Rachel and gave, and God listened to her and opened her womb. Notice, God is doing his work in, his, in the right season and the right time. God's doing his work at the right time. Nobody's waiting on God. Nobody's seeking God out. There's not a whole lot. If you'll notice, nothing in this chapter has anything to do with God other than they think that God in some way by, by the results of their action is in some weird way. He is, he is verifying or validity. Again, easy for me to say. He's giving validity to what they've done. And the truth is that's not the case. He's not doing that. They're acting and they're creating more of a mess and the more of a mess that they create, the more they, the more they keep naming their children after the whole struggle itself, and they continue to cause problems. So finally, Rachel finally gets in the game herself. She's down. She is down a bunch. She is down. She's down. She's down eight two now. And it says God remembered Rachel and gave, and God listened to her and opened her womb. And she conceived in Borsa, and she says, and God has taken away my reproach. So he called, he, she called his name Joseph, and Joseph's going to be a major figure. And she actually, this is the first one that's named something that is better. I, I guess you can just say better. I don't know how to say it any other way, but it's just better than it was. She's named this son Jacob, and Jacob is, Jacob is, he will add, which is talking to God's work. It's speaking to God who God is. I would say to you, that so many times in our lives we get so we get so caught up in in what we're doing and trying to attribute something that God has to do with and trying to insert God 
into the situation and the circumstances rather than allowing God to be over the circumstances and the situations and shedding light on them. And I would challenge you to quit trying to make God fit in your box, but allow God to illuminate the box you're in. And uh, I don't know how to say that any more clearly or different. Quit trying to place God in the box you're in. Allow him to illuminate that box and to see where you have put the limitations and where you've put the restraints on your own life. And if you'll do that, I can say this to you, you won't miss out. You'll always have his best. You'll always see his best. You'll always function in that best. And so she called his name Joseph and said, the Lord shall to me another son. What she's saying is, now that I've had one, I'm capable of having many. And this kind of leads me to the very end of this. And I think it's an important principle and understanding. And uh, I've dealt with I've dealt with so many young adults who uh, had trouble having children. And this is quite literally what Rachel's issue is. She's had trouble having children. And they'll get pregnant the first time. And a lot of times, not a lot, but but a large enough sample size to be significant, they'll miscarry that first one. And there, there's a sense of great grief and great loss that goes with that. And rightly, there's nothing wrong with that. The child was known by God, even if the child was in the womb, I believe God that we are who we are at conception, not when we pass through the birth canal, because many of us don't, many of us come out of an incision. And that can't be the case. But what I'd say to you is this. Uh, oftentimes, those people get pregnant very quickly after that. After they spent years trying to get pregnant, they get pregnant immediately again. And sometimes they have two, three, four children. And so sometimes what you consider to be great loss and great struggle for your life is a God working his will in his way. He's showing his unique power in you. And if you'll just trust him, and let him do his work for you, and you follow after him, he's going to handle that, and he's going to take care of that. And it may be that you're not supposed to have any children that you bear and bring to term. It may be that you're supposed to do some wonderful, mighty, and great things out there in the world for people that you wouldn't be able to do if you had children. And, uh, and trust me, those things are absolutely as valuable and as important as having children. And I would say to you, that the number of children that you have in heaven for most people is going to be likely a lot more than you actually brought to term. I believe that life begins at conception and how many children did you have and maybe even didn't ever even really begin to grow and didn't attach to the wall of the uterus or whatever. And, and you may have, when you get to heaven, you may have born four children or three children and you may have 20 others that you didn't even know, never even knew you were pregnant, never even knew that you conceived. And they're going to be your eternal children. They're going to be have that relationship with you, that special, unique relationship. And you don't even know about that. And that's just one of the, one of the many wonders of heaven, the innumerable, infinite wonders of heaven that we're going to realize when we get there. And that's just one of the neat ones, one of the small ones, but one of the great ones also. And I would say to you, the baby wars are real, and they're real in the Bible, and they're real today in the world we live in. Lots of women struggle with this. Lots of husbands struggle with their wives over this. And it is a real issue that is dealt with by a lot of people 
And to tell you the truth, it is, it's based on relationship and it's based on God giving life. And I think it is something to struggle with. And I think it is something that's very important. But a little God's perspective can help us as we go through this and let God shine his perspective on the box you're in and don't place him in the box you're in. Let him show you what's really going on. And I'll trust that he'll give you peace that passes all understanding. He'll give you hope and it's a living hope and he'll give you life in it. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you that he'll make his face to shine upon you and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.